Welcome back to Happier Here, a podcast with Lauren Berger. I am your host, Lauren, and welcome to episode five, y'all. I know I say this at the beginning of every episode, but I am so excited for today's guest, y'all. Noelle Huntley. She is an actor, singer, writer, musician, traveler, librarian, friend, and so much more. She is a recent graduate of Augustana College in Rock Island, Illinois, where she got her degree in English and theater performance. Noelle recently began working in public libraries, both in circulation and in reference. This work has opened her eyes to what miraculous resources public libraries can be, especially in terms of accessibility to information and essential materials. Two years ago, she was diagnosed with fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome, as well as a handful of other comorbidities. Because of this, she is also passionate about accessibility in physical, educational, and socioeconomic terms. She hopes through telling her story today that you listeners will remember that all of us can only benefit from a more accessible world, and she wants you to know that you need to support your local libraries as well. I got the privilege of meeting Noelle some years ago, and it has just been such a blessing to have her in my life and just to see her grow and blossom into the amazing human she is today. This episode gets real, y'all. There's some laughs, there's some tears, but I'm just ultimately excited for y'all to meet Noelle and hear about all the amazing things she's doing. So without further ado, let's get on into it. Well, hello, Noelle. How Hi, are you Lauren. doing today? <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing well. Good. Great. Well, thank you so much for saying yes. Thank you for being here. Um, why don't we just start with you telling us who the heck are you? Okay. Well, I, I am a singer first and foremost. That's always who I'm going to be. And like the, the, the older I get and the more my identity shifts and changes, the more I'm like, okay, this is the one thing that has literally never changed. Yep. Um, so if there's one thing you need to know about me, I'm going to sing. <laughs> amazing singer, by the way. Incredible. Oh, singer. See, I need you in my ear repeating that. All the time. <laughs> but um, I also, I have done a lot of acting, stage acting, um, which I love not as much as singing, but I in in its own way is important to me. I in the last couple of years have grown increasingly close to writing as a creative outlet, nice. um, particularly poetry. Um, I don't really know whether or not publication is something I want to pursue just yet, but mm-hmm. it brings me a lot of comfort and it it makes me feel like me. So mm-hmm. I'll be a writer, sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, despite all of my creative endeavors, I don't actually think of myself as that creative, mm, okay, okay. <laughs> which I don't know that I can, I don't know that I can deny being a creative person, but you cannot, but uh-huh. I don't think I can, but I, I see so many other people like, wow, I wish I'd thought of that, but <laughs> yeah, but, um, so I, I guess I must be a creative person. Um, I'm a Taurus, Taurus Sun, Scorpio Moon, Capricorn Rising. Ooh, for all the zodiac lovers out there. <laughs> um, this is always like the hardest question. Who no, are I you? Know. Well, no let's, let's do this. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Tell us about like, yeah, where are you from? Where are you living now? I am from the beautiful tropical exotic quad cities <laughs> from Rock Island, Illinois. <laughs> nice um I love I love her I get you gotta love her um I do actually which is I did not always as anyone who grew up in the quad cities can probably tell you it's a process it is um yes it it takes some time but I think the the further away you get from it the more you come to appreciate how special it is yeah um I do currently live here I um work at my public library actually um the rock island public library i also work at the davenport public library both part-time positions so (laughs) it kind of comes together as like a full-time-ish library person now so right yeah um so that's sort of my my roots that's incredible so where did you i know you were at augustana what is (laughs) your degree in Yes. So I started actually at Southeast Missouri State 
and I was going to get a bachelor's of fine arts in musical theater, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a fine degree to have. Many, many of my friends have successfully earned their BFAs, but that is a very specialized degree. And I realized about halfway through my second year that I, um, I wanted a much more diverse educational experience mm-hmm. um, rather than just theater classes day in and day out. So I transferred to um, Augustana in the fall of 2019. And because this, um, this podcast is about like my journey, which is strange to yeah. <laughs> be like, oh, this is about me. Um, it is all about uh, you. <laughs> it's all about me. Um, but I feel that I would be remiss if I did not mention that I have been struggling with my health for a long time. Yeah. And it was in that those first two years of college that I really had to reckon with because I was having stomach problems, mental health problems mm-hmm. um, between my first and second year of college. Um, my fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome kicked in so I had a whole new set of illnesses in my second year and I just being far so far away from home from my support system was not not good for me and it was not where I needed to be so that was also a huge influence um in my choice to move to Augie um but I'm three years out from that decision and it's the the best it's the nicest thing I've ever done for myself I really did a nice thing for myself when I did that so yeah um yeah and Augie is a great school so that is now my my alma mater go Vikings Woo-hoo. well yeah. congratulations on graduating such a huge <laughs> thank you um, it, <laughs> you don't realize until you've done it you're like oh my god that was a lot of work I know it's like yes. I had that like summer between like undergrad and grad and I was like you just went oh right into it. I like <laughs> took a breath and like, I, now I'm looking up and I'm like, what did I do? Um, but yes, upper and higher education is a lot of work and anyone that goes through it deserves like a million dollars and more. So yeah. Give yourself a pat on the hug. Back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you talked about being diagnosed with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome. If you feel comfortable, like I know a lot of people don't really know about how that impacts a person's life and their mental health and their way of just literally living everyday life. So why don't you kind of talk a little bit about like your journey with that? Yes, I'd be happy to. So actually on Friday, uh, that will be two years since the diagnosis. Wow. And it, um, the, the long story short is that it sucks. Like yeah. it just sucks. And there's a lot of like much bigger words I could use to describe it, but that's the bottom line. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to die. It, it's not going to kill me, right. which is like great because there's a lot of beautiful things about life that I enjoy being here for. But on the other hand, it's like, I could live another 70 years with this. Yeah. And that is a long time to feel like this. So I, I really grapple with how, how severe it feels um but basically because it's true not a lot of people know like they've heard they've heard the Cymbalta commercials so they've heard the word fibromyalgia and they know that it's one of those commercials diseases that you're like I don't actually know what plaque psoriasis is but I hear all the commercials about it all the fun commercials everyone looks like they're having a great time with fibromyalgia the sun is always out yeah exactly um but (laughs) I actually do not take Cymbalta. I, it's an antidepressant. I take a different antidepressant because <laughs> my brain is a nightmare. And oh, so this is a big thing that people need to know about fibro. It is not an autoimmune disease. Um, it can affect your immune system because of the, the physical toll that it takes on you, but it's uh-huh. actually a neurological disability. Okay. So you, you will probably understand a lot of the words I'm about to say because you're yeah. a psychologist and you, <laughs> this is what you study. My so training people, is coming into place. Let's see. If I, I know I'm like, <laughs> which is great for me. And Lauren, you can also definitely help translate this for our listeners. I'm just saying words. Um, so the biggest problem is that my limbic system is shot. Yeah. I, and my parasympathetic, my parasympathetic nervous system doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. It processes everything that the sympathetic gives it as pain. Yeah. It's all painful. Yeah. 
yeah and my emotions don't know how to deal with that so i am now what uh they might call emotionally unstable mm-hmm. which sounds so scary yeah. and it's even scarier because they're like we're gonna put you on trileptal which is an anti-convulsant which is the scariest word i've ever heard yeah. and yeah. i kind of freaked out when i heard that um but i mean it's a very useful medicine yeah i'm not on it i haven't gotten to that place yet but that is the medicine <clears throat> that some epileptics take to help mm-hmm. epilepsy and some people with bipolar take to help the um the rises and the falls of their their cycling not be so severe and yeah. so um yeah so that's the biggest problem my amygdala also uh thinks everything is trying to attack it all the time okay. and so i am in a constant uh, state of fight or flight mode, which yeah. uh, I already had anxiety before the fibro kicked in. Um, so yeah, t- to sum all that up, my brain is working way too hard all the time to try and process all the stimuli that I experience in a day. Yeah. And how, and all of that like overwork is obviously very exhausting. Right. That's where the chronic fatigue syndrome comes in. Okay. Um, I have overexhausted myself so badly that I am now just perpetually tired. Yeah. And probably will be forever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a they're both pain diseases. They're both um deal with fatigue and um mostly they are mental illnesses that have moderate to severe adverse physical side effects. Yeah. Um so yeah, this, these, this last two years have been, when I first went to the Mayo Clinic to get the diagnosis, I thought I was going to have one or the other. Right. And right. when she told me I had both, that was where I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I am in for it now. <laughs> like, yeah. So these last two years have just been me grappling with that, but also trying to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that comes with any diagnosis, right? Trying to mm-hmm. understand like, okay, this is, this is my life now. And how do I, how do I learn how to operate in this, in this body, in this mindset that I have now? And um, yeah, I think you did a great job of explaining it. There wasn't too many hard words for people to understand, <laughs> um, but yeah, like basically you're, I think it's more of your emotions being so heightened and your body is struggling to help regulate those. And, um, and I think I'm not, I'm not a medical doctor, but I would say fibromyalgia probably cause, like you said, the chronic fatigue as well, just because your body is working so hard. And so I think it's probably fairly common for people to have both since your body Mm -hmm. is working so hard with the fibromyalgia. So, um, yeah, thank you for talking about that and bringing light. Cause like you said, it's literally half the time we hear about it. It's just people (laughs) on commercials jumping through like fair, like land grass of life and butterflies and (laughs) Um, that's not the case. Um, and I think it's something that a lot of people don't, don't know about and don't talk about. So yeah, thank you for, for sharing your story on that for sure. Um, and I know since this diagnosis, there's been, I don't know, should I say a new passion, um, just accessibility in all forms. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I'll give you the floor on that. You talk about that. <laughs> it's, it's your passion. You share with us kind of a little bit about how that passion came to be for you and what you're kind of doing in your day-to-day life with that as well. Yes. So the it feels a little like wrong to say that it's like a new passion, but it's it's like a it's a a galvanized passion, I should yes. say. Yep. Because it's one of those things like I obviously always wanted the world to be available for everybody right but it's not it's one of those things that like some things you you don't get it until you get it and it's it yeah it it feels it feels shitty to say that I I didn't really get it before Mm -hmm. and now now that I stairs man fucking stairs they suck so bad and you can- every flight of stairs I go up 
and I have legs. It's like, yeah. yeah. So it's, um, let it out, girl. This is a space for you. Let's hear it. I invite everyone to rewind to the part where I said I'm emotionally unstable. <laughs> we promise, guys. Tears are welcome here. We welcome yes. tears. <laughs> I knew this is going to happen. And so I, sorry. Um, do not apologize at all. Um, but yeah, so it's just, it's one of those things where I had never really, like, looked at it before. Like, yeah. obviously nobody likes stares, but it's like... Right. I'm gonna pass out like yeah and I because of my my theater background and my singing background I'm pretty decent lung power and I'm mm-hmm. in pretty decent shape like I'm yeah. not a bodybuilder but like I'm all right right like if I struggle with this like I can mm-hmm. like one of my best friends has muscular dystrophy and mm-hmm she's kind of been saying this to me for years like mm-hmm. we we lived in a building that had an elevator and that had stairs and sometimes we'd be like oh, the elevator's taking forever let's just take the stairs and she'd be like mm. and we'd be yeah. like oh come on cat you can do it yeah and I had no idea how much pain we were causing her <laughs> until I started feeling that pain myself and it's it's little things like that that we just don't think about and and I don't blame anybody who doesn't because yeah I hope you're never here. I hope you never have to think about it because it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's little things like that that you start seeing. Um, How a lot of times wheelchair entrances or accessible entrances are in the back of buildings. You don't get to go in with everybody else, with your family, with the public. You have, there's a special entrance for you. And um, I especially think about it in terms of like, travel Mm. I was lucky enough to get to do some traveling last summer and um I was trudging around um Croatia and and Rome dealing with it and like trying to enjoy myself because I was in it was the most amazing thing and succeeding in a lot of ways but yeah at the same time those those beautiful places, those old, ancient, beautiful places, there's just absolutely no infrastructure for anybody other than an able-bodied or able-bodied enough person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not, it's not just the things here that are built without them in mind. It is, we have lived in a world for millennia mm-hmm. that has never, ever been built for, for people who don't have this this body that operates a certain way yeah um so yeah and like that's just accessibility of the the physical variety right right the I also care a lot about accessibility in terms of um socioeconomic Mm -hmm. um in those terms as well as um educational accessibility that's something that going from a state school to a private school mm-hmm. and seeing the differences in resources there yeah that, that's crazy and also looking at the differences in demographics yeah. and now that I work in public libraries like any all every type of person belongs to the public library and you, you I don't know it just makes me think about resources and yeah how will we allocate them and to who, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I want to hop back to the, you know, the physical part of it mm-hmm. first for a second. I, um, and I think also growing up, a lot of people on this podcast so far have been in from Quad Cities area, from the Iowa area, and mm-hmm. um, just talked about growing up in that area and kind of the ignorance to a lot of different um not even topics, but just like, I don't know, just the ignorance that just kind of flows through that, that area. And, um, I remember it wasn't probably until I went to college that I was like, man, like, or no, probably my senior year of high school. No, my senior year of high school. Um, one of my good friends got diagnosed. Um, he had like a something wrong with his spine. I cannot remember the name of the actual 
disorder that he got diagnosed with, but he had to, he like lost all feeling in his legs and had to, um, for the remainder of our high school experience, like go around in a scooter because he couldn't, he couldn't walk. And I saw how poorly our high school was set up um, for him. Like he would have to go all these long routes to just go like to another section of our school. Like it was just so crazy. And I was like, our world is not set up for all people. Like in the physical, you got into the socioeconomic, but like when I'm thinking physical, like it is, it's so poorly built. And like you said, like, why do I need to go into the back door of somewhere to get through the handicap entrance? Like, it's insane. Like, it's just so, so messed up just how the world is designed. And like, you would think like it's 2022, like we should have some better, infrastructure some better I don't know policies in place to make sure that everybody is well equipped and like yeah like we have laws that have been passed and everything to make sure that people are taken care of but it's not the best care that they should be able to receive to feel like they are a person in this society like it makes people feel like an outcast to have to go around six miles to get to the nearest entrance to get into a big mm-hmm. building right like it's just it's crazy and um like you said like sometimes people don't know about it until it affects them um mm-hmm. or just very blind and ignorant to it like I was for so many years right and so it, it it's it's really crazy it's really really crazy yeah and like the people treat accessibility as an afterthought as well. Like people will like make these, these plans, these building plans be like, Oh, Oh. government says Uh ADA says that we have to have a wheelchair ramp. We'll put it in the back door. Or, you know, I think about it in theaters a lot because there's all these built in seats and it's like, Oh, we gotta, we have to have seats for people in wheelchairs or like people on scooters. And like, I guess we'll just like here's this weird section off to the side where we could fit your chair and it's yeah, like yeah it's an afterthought these these buildings aren't they're just not designed for all people yeah. they the people making which I think is indicative of who's in the room there yeah. aren't people in the room who have disabilities or have loved ones dis- with disabilities who are thinking ahead about these things just living in a very ableist society. And that's, and that's in all things, like there's never people at the table that need to be there to make these decisions that need to um, just be a part of these conversations. Like they're always pushed to the back, no matter if it's conversations surrounding diversity, there's never people of color. If it's issues surrounding this sort of stuff, there's never any disabled individuals. They're like, it's so, it doesn't make sense the way our world is set up. Um, But yeah, it's crazy. Um, But thank you definitely for bringing the physical part up. But also, like you said, like the allocation of resources, like going from a public to a private institution, like it's a big freaking difference, like Mm -hmm. crazy. Why don't you talk a little bit about your experience of going from the two different school systems and you get to see it from a higher ed perspective too, which is pretty interesting. Yes. So my first institution was a pretty big D1 state school in Southeast Missouri. Yeah. Um, It was my my specific part of the school, Mm -hmm. which was the performing arts school and the fine arts school had its own campus and it was brand new, like built in the last 10 years. And we had a lot of funding. Like we were well-funded. The main campus, however, not so much. A lot of older buildings, a lot of, again, not great infrastructure right um but it was I, it, I, I don't know like it was just interesting to see that very rarely are the arts the thing that is funded the most but we right. absolutely have the most funding right um especially right. in the state of Missouri like it was crazy but like seeing Missouri funding education has never really been what they're known for okay. and so you could kind of see it SEMO is not one of the biggest schools in Missouri mm-hmm. so I think it just kind of got a little bit um looked over from time to time yeah yeah I also think about it um demographic wise because I went to in the Quad Cities I went to Alleman which is 75 percent white mm-hmm. 20 percent um Hispanic 
everything else. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a very, very limited um, view of people when I left. SEMO, while still dominantly white, had a lot more diversity. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my life, I was in classrooms with Black people. Yeah. And it was like, (laughs) I mean, on one hand, (laughs) it was, I was either in classes with them where I did not interact at all. Um, Like our, you know, our, you know, I got to take this English class or I got to take this math class. Right, right. Um, Or I was in my theater classes where we interacted a lot and I really got to like know people from all walks of life. Like people, I got to meet really openly queer people mm-hmm. as well which there was I had I found like the two gay people in my grade at all and, and befriended mm-hmm. them like I, I obviously I queer flocks to queer that's just how it goes yeah. um but like getting to see like uh, one of my first friends I made at SEMO was a drag queen mm-hmm. and like it was like wow in Missouri like there are really like there are really queer people here, not just like barely out of the closet because they're afraid like of being disowned. Like, right, right. This is your fullest self and you're showing it to me. Um, and it was, I had never really realized how vast humanity was. Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, really, really incredible. And I'm so, so glad that I, got a look at what the world looks like you yeah, know yeah it's not just mostly white people <laughs> um and then moving to Augustana mm-hmm. all the white people are back <laughs> yeah, yeah. um no diminishment in the queer community Augustana is very queer there's a lot of queer people there yeah. which again is wonderful um but it did feel like some of that perspective was lost and some of that some of that depth like Mm -hmm. when when you remove like it you can tell that there are people missing from the room Mm -hmm. you can tell that there's something hollower about the space that you're in yeah when there isn't a a vast variety of humanity yep especially after you've seen it after you know what you could have and like the perspectives that you could be gaining and the energy that you can have when they're not there you notice yep and it's not (laughs) so at my graduation our president actually um told us like that we our graduating class was the most diverse graduating class augustana had ever had Mm. (laughs) And what do you what do you mean by that, President? What does that yeah. mean? <laughs> on one hand, it's like great. I'm so glad we're only getting more diverse. On the other hand, it's right. like you just told on yourself. Right. Like, Let's elaborate. Let's say? unpack that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, and why why is this? I think like 13 percent. Uh, uh, I think 13 percent were international students, okay. and like 20 20 high 20s, low 30s were non-white. Okay. which is it's it's uh like he told us it's better than it used to be <laughs> there you go right right but obviously still a very long way to go right um and he and that was only the racial demographics too like right. he left out ma- the many intersections of people that there are he didn't get anything about religious demographics or right. ability or sexuality right. or gender um so may- maybe with those intersections we're on even a better trajectory but I think it's no it just shows like just the difference of private public and also just like our world too like state by state no matter where you go like you're in for a different experience and um I always tell people like leaving the quad cities um really opened my eyes a lot Mm -hmm. more and I and I wish everyone got that experience right like I think it's so awesome that majority like of the people that we know and um people we grew up with got the opportunity to kind of leave and explore something outside of the quad cities but that's because we Mm -hmm. had accessibility for that we had the opportunity to do that and there's so Mm -hmm. many people there there's so many people in small towns and 
the South and the North, West, East that don't have the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what continues to perpetuate just that small minded thinking and not able to see like the world is huge. Like it's not just mm-hmm. black and white. Like there are millions and millions and millions of different types of people out there that have mm-hmm. different identities, different genders different races different religions different like there's so many different kinds of people out there and um yeah it's 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 a weird crazy world we live in and I wish everyone got to experience it um the same but no and bringing it back to accessibility yeah I I think what it also opened my eyes to this going from SEMO to Augie yeah was the the absolute truth of racial discrimination yeah yeah and how it is not a coincidence that there was a higher black population at SEMO where it was more centrally located more affordable more more accessible in every way and a a much smaller black and brown population Augustana where tuition is fifty thousand dollars a year right and it's it's another one of those things it's like you know it it's in your head you're like racism is real and like societal um uh societal racism and you know economic racism like that is all real but now it's like oh I've been to these places I've seen what happens Mm -hmm. like it's and so like tying that back into accessibility like I had access you went to you went to assumption right yes I did go to assumption (laughs) yes and so even within our like local educational hierarchy yep we went to the private schools right and which, was was Alleman Catholic yes okay so okay. we went to the private Catholic, Catholic schools, schools. Like, right right yeah which is it's its own brand of private school but you it still is. have to pay to go there yep yeah even like like it's it's very apparent on the like the higher education level but even when it comes to like you can from I've never gone to public school I only ever went to Catholic school from daycare to my senior year of high school. SEMA was the first public institution I'd ever attended. And it was college. And so it was just like that, like, oh, man, I have had the upper hand educationally. Right, right. For my entire life. Mm hmm. Like, honestly, like I, I think, too, like so I went to when I went to Assumption, my Catholic high school, Mm -hmm. that was the first time I'd ever been to private school. I went to public school, pre-K to like middle of my eighth grade year. Then I started Mm -hmm. at, finished my middle school out at a private school. Then Assumption was like my real first private school. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, like going from public school where there is majority black and brown people, everyone looks like me. Like I didn't have to really like, I mean, I struggled with my racial identity, but it wasn't like anything crazy and then I go to my white high school where I look and I'm the only black person in the class like I'm like what is going on I'm the only person of color here like what is happening like it's it's a completely different world and I don't know if Alleman was set up like this but at my school like you got like scholarship if like you were Catholic. So a lot of like the black and brown Mm -hmm. individuals that will come in, they were like, okay, I'm just going to like join the Catholic church so I can get like tuition (laughs) off. And it's like, why are we setting up? Like, it's insane. Like, why are we setting up these barriers for people to get a good education? Like I, I will be completely honest, like public school, horrible for me. Like if I would have stayed there throughout high school, I would not be where I am today. Like I, private education was great education was amazing I learned great things the social setting of it absolutely hated it super racist but like educationally it was great and like I wish everyone got that experience but like there's things like that like oh I can get tuition off if I like join a church like why is it set up like this like it's insane and let's not even get started on tuition prices for a freaking high school like it's ridiculous absolutely ridiculous and then I don't know if they did this at Allman either but like we would like recruit black and brown people to like play sports and they would yes, get like, tuition waivers. I'm like, this is high school. We're like 14. Like, why are we starting this so soon? So like, if there were people of color, they probably were an athlete. Like, 
it's insanity. It's crazy. It's really yeah. crazy. Yeah. You're, I didn't even think about the discounted tuition if you oh. were a member of the parish. Yeah. I, like you, that we absolutely did that all through yeah. my grade school. And plus, I was a younger child, so I got double discount right. from the parish and for being the second kid. Right. But you're you're totally right. Like there there is a religious discrepancy there. It's yeah. Like, it's like so now I have to like change my religious identity to like get a good education. Like yeah. what in the world? And I'm sure the argument would be, well, it is a Catholic school, so right. yeah, we're gonna give Catholics like preference. But still, it's like. Right. It's, like you said, it's like, this is, this is the better ed- education. It's here. Right. And we right. had, we had Rivermont, but yeah. no one was going to Rivermont. $10,000 yeah. a year for a high school. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend yeah. who went to Rivermont and good for her, but yeah. Yeah. no, crazy. It's crazy. Like, I don't know. I mean, I can't even remember what tuition prices were when I was there. I'd have to ask my mom, but um, I know they were crazy prices to be yeah. paying. I mean, 10 K is crazy, but like, I know like yeah. it was still high to yeah. get an education and like upwards of five. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere probably around there a year. And I'm like, that's what my mom had to do to like, make sure I got a good education. And like, thankfully, like I had kind of the access to that. Like I grew up in a single yeah. parent household, but like still, like, I just wish like everyone had access to that. And then I look and see too, like in this past year, like how many public school teachers have been quitting because of the low pay, the horrible working conditions. Like I haven't heard of many private school teachers quitting. Like it's insane. Like, I don't know. Like, well, yeah. Yeah. Like my best friend is an elementary school teacher and she, like, she's been, on the the front lines of this pandemic like her for your her first year teaching was actually fall of 2020 yeah and the things that they are just putting teachers through right now like it's it's just insane I don't I don't blame the ones that are quitting it's a stressful job in the best of times yep yep it's a herculean job in the best of times it's it's sisyphusian right now like and it's like how do we uh how do we expect our teachers to care for these students that are already going through so much stress at home and the school is like their safe place. But like, we're asking these teachers to like be a rock for these kids when they're being asked to do a million and six other things. Like our teachers are burnt out. Like how can they even begin to care for these kids? Like we are not providing these kids with the best education possible. Like we have the great teachers. Like I mm-hmm. know a million Absolutely. public school teachers that are incredible, but like we cannot expect them to live off of 30 K a year mm-hmm. working over 60 plus hours a week. Like it's not, yeah. it's insanity. Like I just, and this is where the resources question right. comes in. It's right. like, if we funneled more money, money, which the federal government at least definitely has, right. if right. we actually we gave a shit and started funding the public schools, they would not only be on par with the private schools, but the kids would be better taken care of. The teachers would be better taken care of. You could hire more teachers. You could build better physical infrastructure that is more accessible for all of your students, no matter what their ability, like all of these things. And and I hate that like money is the answer. I hate that money is the answer, but we live in this world. Money is the answer. Because like I'm thinking right now, like freaking Jeff Bezos could just drop a couple Jeff mil Bezos. down mm-hmm. and everyone would be perfectly he could fine. Drop a couple bill down. He, right. he barely a dent in his wallet. And it's like, just, it just won't happen. I, I just don't understand the concept of poverty when we have millionaires and billionaires living amongst mm-hmm. us. Like how in the world can I walk outside in Chicago right now and see 30 homeless people when there's Jeff Bezos living in a freaking billion dollar mansion? Like it just, our society and our world is so messed up. It just makes me so angry. And it's such a quick fix, literally money. Everyone has it. Let's like, just bring it in. Let's give it to people. Let's put it in where it needs to be. Like we could literally all be on the same playing field if we just like, I don't know, like it's crazy. Like, and I think, and of course, like, I know why, like, the white man wants to be in power. Like they don't want people to succeed. They don't want anyone to be on equal playing field, but it's just like, please give us something like. Yeah. <sighs> and it's in moments like this where I like, I keep thinking about like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Yep. But the answer is money. Like yep. that is the answer. And like, but what's great is the job that I have now 
yeah. working in libraries, that is what I can do. Yeah. I was just about to say like you, public libraries are huge. Why, yeah. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? Like, I think people think that's like a dying industry. It's a dying field. No one goes to libraries anymore, but like you're like a safe haven for a lot of kids and people in low income areas, especially in the QC. Like talk a little bit about that. Let me sing the praises of a public library. Let's hear it. I was I so basically my mom has been like my like the person that I've said like all of this to and her reactions. Yeah. So like I'm hoping I'm hoping other people are, are gonna react as as wonderfully to this. So yeah, we have books, obviously. Uh-huh. We also have like walls of DVDs. We have movies and TV shows. We have computers that you can use yep. during the entirety of our business hours, which is free Wi-Fi. Speaking yeah. of Wi-Fi. You can also check out hotspots at both of the libraries I work at. Wow. Hotspots to take home with you that give your home Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. That's incredible. They're so popular. At Rock Island, we also have like a like a like a Roku fire stick you can check out. So there's your TV. Uh, you can watch TV. Wow. Yes. We have um at Rock Island, we have this thing called Library of Things where you can check out like lawn games and board games and stuff like that you can check out baking equipment if you want to bake some stuff you can check out um jumper cables uh, a paper shredder a sewing machine just like things that you may not need for a long time but you need them right now check it out from our library like we have and I feel like people don't use like databases as much as they could yeah but if you like can come into the library you can do like ancestry work you can watch movies through the library. We have uh, Hoopla at Rock Island and Canopy at Davenport. Yes. So if you want to be a film buff, go to your library. That's like, cool. it's it's insane. It is. It's incredible. At Davenport, you can check out a guitar. Like, <laughs> it's, you, people don't realize the vast amount of resources that libraries can provide. No, I'm literally and, speechless like right now. Like I didn't even know this. And it's all free if you yeah. have a library card for free. Like, I mean, if it's late, you got fees, but right. Davenport but... is waiving their fees this summer. So even then, like, wow. Yeah. Wow. It's incredible. And that's the thing I mean. Like there's resources out there, but p- no one knows. No one yes. knows because people don't share things like this. Like there's so there's not, cause I doubt the library has enough funds to freaking put all these ads out and let people know about this. Like, yes. because again, money, trying. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. but. Man. And like what, what's really great. What's really, really great. And what I think is actually doing a lot for the library right now is both libraries have like a bookmobile. Okay. They've each got mobile libraries that they can take to like parks and street fests. Um, I know Rock Island's mobile library is going to be at the Greek Fest in Rock Island in September, nice. which I go to every year because yeah. I love Greek food. Yeah. It's the only place in the Quad Cities where you can get actual authentic Greek food. Right. So imagine like rolling up and seeing the bookmobile there. Like Incredible. that's amazing. And so you have people out on the streets now being like, like, hey, do you have a library card? Do you live in Rock Island? Come sign up. It's free. Like, it's it's becoming more and more of a guerrilla practice of, yeah. like, being, like, just putting yourself in the public. Yeah. So yeah. that they can see the access that that is that's possible for them. Yeah. And I've, and I've started to see, too, like, that guerrilla marketing tactic has been so huge for projects and resources like this. It's really how you're starting to, like, get in with the community and have because like that travel is really quick word of mouth for sure um Mm -hmm. that's so like I'm just thinking like okay the QC has this like we can't be the only community that has this this has to be like nationwide yes and oh I mean I feel like there's a lot of things that are getting more and more common I'm pretty sure hotspots are quite a common thing now because I think people are waking up to the reality that oh not everybody has 24 7 like good available internet access that's crazy because in this world that is not a right it's a privilege we really all should have internet access I mean that and that's the thing you can be on a library's emailing list but if you don't have reliable connection you're not opening those emails yep and like some of these most vulnerable populations I mean they we (laughs) 
they are the ones that we need to go to. Yeah. Can't expect like the people who are homebound. We have specific cards for people who are homebound, by the way, people who live in temporary housing. We can issue cards for people who live in temporary housing for um, like children. We can issue cards to children, but like, we are I, I love these these trucks these bookmobiles because yeah. like, we can take the library to them. them we can show them the resources and like give them that knowledge yeah. arm them with the knowledge because knowledge is power and it's it's I mean it's amazing and I again it's not something you know until you know it right and getting right. to to work here and get to getting to see this it's like you're telling me that this is like yeah this is a government system the government created something useful right actually useful that is actually doing good for the community right a novel concept right (laughs) but it's crazy it's like the government created it and it's doing good for the community but since it's helping like low-income black and brown individuals we don't really want to talk about it that much because we don't want america Mm -hmm. to look like poor Mm -hmm. but and we're not gonna fund it right that in our schools like we're we're both davenport and rock island they have separate funding um nonprofits that like help um supplement them but it's like we at rock island they used to have like labels that they would print and put on the Uh back of your library card they did away with the labels like (laughs) budget cuts to labels so now we write their names and their expiration dates on the back of the card it's like well but it's it's little things like that it's like we could have the money for labels (laughs) like right yeah but crazy yeah they will never be able to fund education enough yeah there, no. will, there will always be some some way that education could use the money and they just won't give it to them. Definitely. Definitely. I was just thinking when you were talking, my mind went back to, you said something, I, I don't know what it was word for word, but like you have this thought of like, what can I do? Like, I want to do more. And like, just hearing you talk like, oh my gosh, you're freaking doing it. Like <laughs> you being in the library, you working there, like that is absolutely incredible. And like, you are doing so much. Like I didn't like, I'm still mind blown about the library. Like I want to go to the library and check something out. Like I do it. Do like, you have a library card? Look at She's going to get me signed up right now, guys. I'm so yeah, excited. I, go get, go get you a library card. I'm so serious really? because, oh my God, you could probably like check out a tire from the library at this point. Bro, I can go check out a tire <laughs> to fix my flat that I got the other day. It'd be freaking beautiful. No. Oh my gosh. That's just, it's so, so crazy. Cause like, I remember like when I was growing up, I definitely had a library card. We would go often, but like back in the day, library was just like, oh, come get a book, come get a DVD. And I'm like, okay, cool. But like, it's so awesome to see like how it's evolved and like, you're doing it. Like, I'm so excited like to like share this and have other people like, know, like go check out your freaking local library. Like, let's do this. Like, that's so exciting. And I hope like, I hear so many people saying, like I said, like, oh, library is like a dying field. Like no one's going there anymore. Like the same with like movie rental places, but like knowing that this is happening, like hopefully we can let more people know and like more people can, you know, that guerrilla marketing, go to the library, get a library card. Like let's sign you up. Like exactly. Incredible. And like, I like, I hate to say it, but like, I think some people think it's a dying industry because the people who are utilizing it most are low income yep. or yep. they're the black and brown communities. They yep. are the people that just don't, they don't have the 24-7 access to anything that they could ever want, like right. people with money do. Like right. so people, it's not, it's not dying. I would I was I had like 45 minutes today where I didn't sit down because yeah. I was feeling so many things at once. Oh, I forgot the coolest thing. Um both yeah. both libraries have this. We have experience passes now where you can check out like tickets to the Putnam or the zoo. Or um, the Figgy, we have uh, Whitewater Junction. That one is so hot. People want the Whitewater Junction so bad. That is we amazing. Have, yes, it's it really is. Like, and see, those are things too. Like, those are experiences that kids like me. I took so like for granted, like going to Whitewater Junction, going to the pool in the summer. Like that was so much fun. But there's kids that don't even get to leave their backyard during the summer because they don't have enough money to get a ticket to go to the pool. Like that just like warmed my heart so much. Like it's so exciting. That's awesome. Yes. It is. And like prices are only going up for those sort of things. So like that they can, that they can get in and have these experiences that yeah. every child, every person should be able to access yes. for free through their, through their library. I mean, no, it really, it's, it's a miracle. It's amazing. So, oh my gosh, that just makes me so happy. I'm just so excited no. 
that we like all have this knowledge now that you have just sparked a new passion in me to get everyone (laughs) signed up for a library card. I will be promoting it everywhere. That's so exciting. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh, so incredible. Well, Noelle, thank you so much for just like sharing your truth, your story. Like, thank you for being so vulnerable about your experience of being diagnosed with fibromyalgia, um, chronic fatigue. Like, just thank you for being open about that. I think so many people need to know and like just your journey of getting, you know, using your diagnosis to like kind of inspire you in a way to like push other people to be passionate about things and to educate others. Like it's incredible. And I feel like you're just bringing so much light into this world. And I'm just like, so happy to know you. Thank you for having me. There's just one thing that I wanted to tell you before I go. And that is that this time last year, I, I made my like one year after the diagnosis, Instagram post and a writer for one of the local um, QC newspaper outlets saw that. Um, And I had just been in a show at Circa. And so I was like a little bit still in like the public mind. And he's like, I want to write a piece about you, about, you know, an actor and a student because I was still in school who is living with fibromyalgia. And I turned him down because I was not ready to share my story with anyone who was going to listen. And I've thought, you know, I'm probably never going to talk about it because it's, it's painful. I cry every time I do. And it's also, there's a big part of me that's like, it's not anybody's business. But then I saw that you were doing this podcast and I was like, okay, this is where I'm going to do it. Because in that year, I was like, what stories can help people. Stories can, I believe in the power of stories Yeah, and to, to not share mine when I think that it can do some good when it just might I mean if if even one person gets something out of this it's worth every word and it was you that that um that made me feel safe enough and in good enough hands that this was the time so thank you for having this platform and for um giving me a space to to be me out loud well we're gonna end this episode in tears everyone's crying (laughs) um that just warms my heart and that is that's the reason I created this it's the reason I wanted this project to be here um to just give space and like you said if one person listens or a million people listen it's changing somebody's life and so I am just so so thankful for you and just so happy that you felt safe enough and I just honestly feel so honored that you decided to share your truth here with me today so thank you so much you are incredible and keep just taking the world by storm I'm so (laughs) so proud of you you too I'm proud of you right back